We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Entertaining, knowledgeable. All right. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Live and local. It's time for the Fan Morning Show with Bart Winkler. Good morning, everybody. I'm Bart Winkler. That is Tim Shea, and we are here live from the Lakeland University studios. You can earn co-op credit for work experience at lakeland.edu. going to be live in Canton Friday from 10 to 2. I'll be on the big show. And then live in Canton from 7 to 10 a.m. on Saturday, Saturday morning, 7 to 10. We've been tweeting about it, but the tweet says that I'm going to be quote-unquote live. You see those tweets? It says, Bart will be live. Yeah. But I am going to be live. You're going to be live. So there's nothing to be live, like live quotes. Yeah, I don't like we're we're Joey and friends and don't know what the quotes are. Like live. I will be. Bart will be live. No. I will be live. I won't be live with quotes. I will be live. I don't understand that. Like you were in New York. Yeah, like I was in New York, guys. I hate to break it to you. I didn't really go to New York. I went to New Jersey where there's studio. I didn't really go <laughs> to New York. Oh, the little apple. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't know what Matt LaFleur says here, or Matt Stafford says here. Okay, thank you, because... Because <laughs> what? I didn't, wasn't going to correct you. Was I saying LaFleur? Well, La- you when you first brought it up, you said Stafford, and then you said LaFleur, and now you're back to Stafford. So it's Stafford, right? Oh, you should have corrected me. That that made me sound really dumb. Well, I thought I thought it, it made more like I, I was half listening. And yeah. Well, how am I supposed to do my job if you're not doing yours? I am doing my job. All right. All right. So uh Matt Ryan here is talking about Aaron. Matt Ryan. What did I say? You said Matt Ryan. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. All right. Uh, Matt Eberflew saying something about, uh, this is Matt Stafford. I have a soundbite here titled, he explains how far he went to recruit Allen Robinson for the Rams. And I'm going to play it. I don't know what he says, but I'm going to then rip on Aaron Rodgers for not recruiting him as hard. Easy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, let's hear it. Matt Stafford. 
Joe, you and Cooper Cup had gone to Sean McVay in the offseason and kind of pounded the table. Go get us that guy. Take us through how that went. Yeah, I mean, uh, you never know. There's always so much turnover in this league. Um, you know, he was a guy that from afar, um, when I was in Detroit, I spent a lot of time on the sideline watching him, you know, get after our defense, um, you know, when he was in Chicago. Special player, um, you know, and, and has done a really unbelievable job, uh, you know, of just being a pro year in and year out. And, you know, it kind of worked out. You know, I was able to uh, hop on a couple calls with him before we got it done and, and talk to him. And everything I thought about him from afar was kind of apparent, you know, when I talked to him one-on-one. And then it's been even more of the same um, when he's out here on the field. Because it looked like he might be going somewhere else, right? You, I mean, you, you got on that Zoom and you sold him on L.A. Yeah, I mean, I just showed him, you know, we just kind of showed him clips of what we do and where we kind of feel like he could fit in this offense. And, uh, you know, I, I guess that was enticing to him and exciting for him. And, and we're happy that, you know, he decided to, uh, you know, come here. He you know, obviously had a, probably a bunch of options, and, and uh, you know, we're happy to have him. Wow! Unbelievable! So uh, Aaron Rodgers is out playing golf and surfing waves. Matt Stafford's got his ass in Zoom calling free agents. Unreal. I did seem more like Stafford was like, I don't know, I just called the guy. And Andrew Siciliano, who was the voice, was like, no, tell us how you did it, because huh? he's a Rams fan. Hold on, I got a text here from the bosses. They said, Bart, are you planning to do an Aaron Rodgers doesn't recruit free agents good enough topic? We have done that already to death this summer as a station. Let me type back. I understand that. However, it is a new month. I thought quota reset on topics, question mark. I'm getting the three dots. Oh, my bad. Go right ahead. Nice. Aaron Rodgers. Nah, I can't even do it. I can't even do it with a serious face. Look, it's a bummer. I'd love Allen Robinson. I don't think the receiving core is going to be as bad as everybody is saying it is. And everybody, I mean people outside of this area. Now, that's something I took to the uh, CBS National Airwaves to talk about over the weekend. I did. I talked about how they are not going to be as bad as everybody is expecting them to be. And I tried to convince Ryan Hickey, who was the producer at the time, uh, for Zach Galb. He's his producer, Friday night. And I laid it all out. I laid out everything that I lay out here. That I think Alan Lazard is in line for more targets. That I think Aaron Jones is going to be a monster. That I think Devontae Adams... You know, maybe did suck up too much of Aaron Rodgers' uh, attention. And I laid out a beautiful, eloquent, near-perfect monologue. And I said, I have at least budged you a little bit, Ryan Hickey. And he said, in no way, shape, or form. So I needed some reinforcements. I needed to talk to my national audience about how proud I was of my Green Bay Packers and how I really do believe that the absence of Devontae Adams, while it seems extraordinarily hard to make up from, can actually be something that the Packers turn, as Pitbull once said, I turn a negative into a positive. I want y'all to know that. Give me everything tonight. And for reinforcements, I had Peter Bukowski with Lockdown Packers. And I said, Peter, I'm just trying to convince people that the Packers can win without Devontae. 
and I need your I need you to give me a little help. Well, I, I can because we've seen Aaron Rodgers play with substandard receiver groups in the past. And I'm not talking about the seven wins that they have in, with Devontae Adams or without Devontae Adams in the Matt LaFleur era. 7-0 and is the number that, that you hear often cited. I'm talking about go back to 2015. And I, I get 2015 was actually Aaron Rodgers' worst uh, statistical season of really of his career. And yet that offense was still a, a, an okay group. And for the first six, eight games of that season before Devontae Adams got hurt, and that was still when we're talking about a nation Devontae Adams, a, a very green Devontae Adams, that group was 6-0. and They were killing people uh, offensively with Randall Cobb and a second-year Devontae Adams and Richard Rodgers and an Eddie Lacy who was on the verge, unfortunately, of playing himself out of the league because he couldn't keep his body in, in, in the right kind of place. That team was a, a, a special teams and then defensive collapse in overtime away from going to the NFC Championship game. That team, the team without Jordy Nelson, uh, that, had, that had torn his ACL, they, they won the division. They went to the, they went to the playoffs. We've seen this happen before, and you can, you can make the case, okay, it's not that version of Aaron Rodgers anymore. We, we haven't seen – he's not in his, in his 20s anymore. He's in his late 30s. Okay, but he's the two-time defending MVP. Like, did people miss that part? Did they, did they just, like, forget that we're talking about the best quarterback in the league? And, and that's not just me, someone who covers the team. Mike Sando at The Athletic just did his quarterback tiers piece and Aaron Rodgers was the only unanimous tier one quarterback in the league, including Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the league. When was the last time the best quarterback in the league, the guy that basically everyone agrees is the best quarterback in the league was the architect of even a, even a just average offense. When was the last time that happened? Is it like, are we talking about Dan Marino in the nineties? This just, this just doesn't happen. They're going to be fine. Yeah, I guess what I'm thinking about Patrick Mahomes now, he lost Tyreek Hill, and everyone's like, well, he's got Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, that's a pretty big downgrade. But it's it, it, it's just that nobody's talking about the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes the same way that Devontae, and Devontae's the best receiver in the league, if, if that's what we're saying. This is going to be a match. It's, it's 123 catches. It's 1,500 yards. It's 11 touchdowns. I still think that the production is there. It's just not going to be one guy to do it. The last few years, we've had, we've had what, uh, a marriage between Matt Lafleur's offense and the way Aaron Rodgers likes to play. Well, what we don't say is the way Aaron Rodgers likes to play is, I will know what Aaron, I will know what your play is, Matt, but I still have the right to just give it to Devontae. and that, that's 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 what it is. And so now that is gone, and I do think that there are enough guys on this team, whether it's you know Romeo Dubs as a rookie who had. Two nice catches, and now we're anointing him. Uh, Christian Watson, Sammy Watkins, who's working his way you know, back. He's getting some time on the field now. A lot of it, to me, might be Robert Tunyon who comes back. Uh, it might be Aaron Jones. He was the second-leading receiver last year with 52 catches. I think they use him finally in a 100% type of role like Kamara instead of just flirting with it like they've done. I think he gets at least 70 balls. And then Alan Lazard, I, I think that you know, 45-13 and eight touchdowns, I think that this is a massive opportunity for him. They're not going to, none of these guys are going to be asked to catch 100 balls. They're just going to be asked to catch the balls that are thrown at Aaron Rodgers. 
And as long as he stays true and consistent, and you know, I think that he's more in a place where he's willing to help these guys grow and learn and kind of be almost a father figure as he's like twice some of these guys' age. I really think that these guys can make up that production, specifically uh, Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard, Peter. I think you're right, but I think part of this is something that Aaron Rodgers maybe relishes. Don't you think? Like, you think about some of the teams that Tom Brady won Super Bowls with. Not exactly loaded at skill positions. Like, Julian Edelman, we're we're having conversations, should he be in the Hall of Fame, only because Tom Brady carried him to a million playoff appearances. And so, just by default, he has, like, you know, among the top ten most receiving yards in playoff history. Only because Tom Brady took him there a bunch. They won Super Bowls with, like, Chris Hogan. Did you know he played lacrosse? Chris Hogan out there <laughs> catching passes, and and Rob Gronkowski goes down. Okay, you get you get the corpse of Martellus Bennett out there. I think Rodgers is going to relish the opportunity to prove that he can win without those kinds of players. And and to that end, I mentioned that 2015 season. I had gone back and looked this up earlier this month. I know fantasy football isn't everything, but I think it gives you a, a good indication of of productivity. And where that guy, uh, except for Jalen Hurts, except for Jalen well, Hurts. Okay, okay, that's fair. But Aaron Rodgers does not generate value with his legs, and that's why I think this is even better because you have those sorts of outliers. Aaron Rodgers does not do that. In 2015, apparently his worst season of his career, he was QB seven in fantasy and standard scoring. If you go to 2018, the year his coach got fired because they were so bad. And because, and you and I watched that team very closely, it was Devontae Adams and the Pips. It was Devontae Adams and the Land of Misfit Toys. It was rookie Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison and rookie Equinemius St. Brown. And, like, two of those three guys are barely in the league now. And that was 2018. Aaron Rodgers was QB6 in fantasy that year, in a down year. And what did he say after that season? He said, my down years are career years for any other guy. And if you want to get mad at him for, for the, the braggadocio, fine. But he's right. He was QB6 in fantasy on what was supposed to be a down year. So I, I like your point about Aaron Jones. I think he gets the full Camara treatment in this offense this season. I think you're wondering, okay, how do you go get a bucket on third and six? I think you're going to find more ways to get Aaron Jones involved in the passing game. You're going to find more ways to scheme open um, A.J. Dillon, potentially, with two back sets. You're going to rely more on a deep group of receivers. And I understand Romeo Dobbs is, is a rookie. Christian Watson is a rookie. We haven't seen him. But they have some guys with complementary skill sets. Randall Cobb was a killer on third down last year before he got hurt. And by the way, the, the game that he got hurt in, he was in the middle of absolutely torching the Super Bowl champion defense. There, there's enough on this offense for them to be good offensively. And I think what people forget is Tom Brady won a lot of Super Bowls and Peyton Manning won his last Super Bowl and John Elway won his last two Super Bowls, or at least that first one against the Packers, not because the offenses were dynamic, not because he, they, they played at like that 2011 Aaron Rodgers level um, uh, or the, the 2007 Tom Brady level, but because the offense was good enough and the defense was exceptional. And this finally, for the first time really in, in, what, a decade almost, the defense is championship caliber. 
And if the defense can get a little bit better, I think it can make up for the offense potentially being a little bit worse. And that's the balance that they have to strike if they want to be Super Bowl champion. Not to mention the NFC is just down. This is not the same NFC we saw last year. Russell Wilson has gone to the AFC. Devontae Adams has gone to the AFC. Amari Cooper has gone to the AFC. Jimmy Garoppolo may soon be going to the AFC. So you, you've got this exodus. Oh, Baker Mayfield. You know, he went to the AFC to the NFC. So yeah, we, have to, we have to check yeah. on the tectonic plates here. But I just think it's going to be an easier conference to win this year than it was First last place. year. And I look at Green Bay's schedule. If you look at it right now, Bart, they're favored by the odds makers in 15 of 17 games including on the road in Minnesota, on the road in Philadelphia. These are supposed to be their hard games. Yes, they go to Buffalo, probably a loss. They go to Tampa, probably a loss. They have a schedule where, I, I don't know, you really, have to, you really have to be a pessimist to find six losses on this schedule. You know, I, I think they're 12-5 and five kind of team, 13-4 and four even kind of team like they were last year. And, and I, I, don't, I don't really think that that's an outlandish take. By the way, the oddsmakers agree. The defense, chef's kiss for going that way because as we talk with Peter Bukowski, Lockdown Packers, this defense, I think, has made Packer fans cry a lot the last decade. (laughs) And I think they will make you cry again this year, only tears of joy. What I'm trying to tell people around the league, and especially Packer fans, is there's, I don't know what week it's going to be, but there's going to be a week where you watch this Packers defense and then after the game, you're going to be on the phone for the next hour talking to your dad, talking to your grandpa, talking to your uncle you haven't talked to in a while, talking to all your friends, and you're just going to be talking about how great this defense is. I really think with this defense, Kenny Clark, obviously, you added Jaron Reed. Preston Smith stayed. Devondre Campbell stayed. Uh, uh, Rasul Douglas stayed. You drafted Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, two guys out of Georgia. Eric Stokes out of Georgia, a year removed. Amos, Savage, Jair Alexander, I haven't mentioned yet. Rashawn Gary will be a household name by the end of the year. This defense is going to be... Aaron Rodgers once came out after a week one, I think it was a shutout against Seattle, and said, we have a defense. Well, they did not. They were bad. But this defense, I think, is going to be... It's really going to turn some heads. We might go into the season talking about Devontae and Rodgers. We won the season talking about the defense. So I, I'm, I'm going to get a little nerdy for a second. I hope, I hope you're ready for this journey with me, Barb. I, I okay. looked this up. The Packers' defense against playoff quarterbacks last year, a lot of their stats, the bad stats, came against teams, and this is why I think there, there were some people who were a little more down on the defense than, than maybe they should be, because they played to the level of their opponent. Let's just take EPA per play. There were six games, or six quarterbacks that they played, or yeah, six games against, against playoff quarterbacks. In those games, Jimmy Garoppolo had .14 EPA per play, Joe Burrow .02 EPA per play, Kyler Murray .08 EPA per play, Patrick Mahomes minus .6 EPA per play, Matthew Stafford minus .06, Jimmy Garoppolo minus .33 EPA per play. What do those numbers mean? Because they don't mean anything if you don't have context. The Bengals were. The yeah, I'm lost. Dude, you better tell me. Yeah, I will. The <laughs> Bengals were the tenth best defense. In EPA, estimated points average per dropback last season, they allowed 0.21 EPA per pass. In other words, against quarterbacks on playoff teams, the Packers defense played to a top 10 or better level in every single game. Let's put this another way. The Bills were the best EPA per pass defense in the league last year. Against Patrick Mahomes, 
the Packers' defense played above the level of the best passing defense in the league. And in the playoffs against Jimmy Garoppolo, it was three times better than the best passing defense in the league. That's how good this Packers' defense was last year in the games that mattered the most. This is not even just your slightly older brother's Packers' defense. This defense last year rose to every big moment, every challenge that it faced against the best teams. They played well, and they got better. You add Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt. Did I love those draft picks? No, but they're talented. They make this defense better. You mentioned Jerron Reed. They they get back, arguably, the best cornerback in the league, not named Jalen Ramsey, and you have Eric Stokes in year two. This is a defense that has the potential. I've been saying this on Lockdown Packers for weeks. They have the potential to be the best defense in the league. They don't have to be for this team to be a Super Bowl contender because they weren't the last three years and the Packers were a Super Bowl contender. But if they play to that level, I just don't see the the team in the NFC that can match what they have on both sides of the ball with the exception maybe of, of the Rams, but I think their defense got worse. I'm, I'm a little concerned about their offensive line. And now Tampa, the middle of their offensive line is falling apart. I think Green Bay's best, as we go into the season, Green Bay's best. I talk about this in golf all the time. Green Bay's best, the, the peak that they can get to, is better than anyone else's best in the NFC. And so I think that gives them a really good chance to come out of the NFC and be a Super Bowl team. That's Peter Bukowski, friend of show, was able to hop on with me when I was in for Zach Gelb on Friday night on CBS Sports Radio. So that kind of stuff that you just heard got echoed nationwide. Bart telling you I'm going to cry. I did third person, but I'm going to cry about the defense. They're going to be so good. Peter saying that the Packers' best is better than anybody else's best. There's reason to be very excited about the Green Bay Packers this season. A big reason is that defense. I loved hearing this from Matt LaFleur the other day. They asked him about Rashawn Gary, and he basically said his presence is undeniable. Yeah, Rashawn Rashawn is a tone setter, and I think you guys see that each and every day. Um, he is, he's got the capability of, of wrecking practice. He, he probably would have had, you know, four sacks yesterday. He just... He's relentless. He, he plays with a great motor and energy, and I think it rubs off on everybody. Certainly, the, the better the player out there, he makes everybody around him better. There is just so much to be excited about when it comes to the Packers. And, of course, what we'll do over the next month is more or less take a look at some of the things that we're concerned about, right? That's what we see when we see the preseason. We see, well, what can get better? What, what needs to improve? How are the wide receivers coming along? Is the offensive line going to be healthy? Where, where's the special teams at right now? And I don't think we will. We, well, I know we won't. I, won't we, I know we won't properly talk about Rashawn Gary and all these guys on this defense. It's just, you know, going in the Air Force and, you know, as a team, we got aspirations of going to the NFC Championship, winning it, and, you know, going to the Super Bowl and winning. I just want to be a big part of that. So I'm just hungry to make sure I'm an impact for this team. But he's anxious. He's ready to get going, and I'm ready to see what they have to offer. I think a lot of the – Next five weeks are going to be about the questions that we have about the Packers. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, and that that's what we're going to talk about. You're not watching the preseason to see the good defense because they're barely going to play those guys. Yeah, Rashawn Gary might play a couple series. He might get a sack. He might be like, "Ooh, boy," but I think we're not really going to. We're not. We're not going to know. We're not going to see how good this defense is until they actually play. I am so 
confident that this defense is going to be great. I cannot wait for it. I cannot wait for it. And I think a lot of these questions that we have about, you know, the rest of the offense, I think eventually that those get answered. And as I talked about with Peter Bukowski, the wide receiver thing, I don't think is as big of an issue as it's going to be. If you like, if you pop around and look at other teams, you look at like uh, Carolina, well, what are they going to do a quarterback? Okay. Well, that is probably an issue for them. You look at the, the Niners. Well, how's Trey Lance going to be? And they're probably like, eh, Trey Lance is going to be fine. But when you like look at, uh, is Mac Jones going to be good in New England? Oh, they love Mac Jones. So when you take a step back and you look at everybody and you just cherry pick teams while you love one team in Wisconsin, you look at the other 31 teams, maybe the issue that seems to be the biggest issue isn't actually the biggest issue. I still think it's the offensive line injuries and the depth. They need David Bakhtiari back. Jenkins will come back at some point. They need Bakhtiari back. I think we're all we're all like hands off of the special teams right now. Like, Basaccia, do your thing. You've got your guys. Use who you need. And let's see what it looks like first five, six weeks of the season. But the wide receiver topic is going to be the topic that's talked about the most outside of Green Bay. It'll still be talked about here a lot. I mean, we still want to see how these guys perform. Uh, Romeo Dubs has been a big breakout in camp. Matt LaFleur talked about him. I think it's it's all in his approach. Um, you know, throughout the course of OTAs and in training camp, we've got a, a group of coaches that comes in and works out pretty early. And uh, Romeo is the first one in the building. Like, he is in his locker getting primed. I see him rolling out um, in the weight room and getting his body ready, getting his mind ready. And um, I just think he's he's already kind of, established a routine for himself and I think that's one of the things that rookies tend to have a hard time finding and once they do they can take off and I think that he's he's established a routine pretty early and I thought that was really impressive. Romeo Dubs last week had a couple good days of practice and we've talked about him and I don't even want to I don't even want to go as far as say he'll be the best rookie receiver on the Packers. You got Christian Watson another guy drafted Torrey in the seventh but Christian Watson was pick number 34 overall and he isn't really practice yet so we're not knowing what to expect about him a lot of people are very high on just a couple of days of dubs so high in fact that that's what's assuaging their is that a word that's what's comforting their fears close to a word if not about the wide receiving core so i i just think when you look at it you get everybody back sammy watkins is back sammy watkins is a thicker man than i thought he was as in, like, just big. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say like I don't want to say like I watched him play and I was like, wow, his ass is bigger than I thought. Did it was. he lose a step? Maybe. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I just I didn't know his ass was that big. Okay, but I didn't want to say that. But what am I supposed to do now? But no, he's a bigger guy. He's thicker. Just let me just let me say what I was gonna say. Uh, I didn't I didn't know it was he's bigger. He's bigger than expected. That's a. So maybe Romeo Dubs is. You know what's one thing that still I think about a lot? I woke up this morning thinking about legacy. No, what I think about a lot is Jordan Love and how little we're talking about him right now. Matt LaFleur was asked about Jordan Love's progress as just like a, hey, should we talk about Jordan Love? This answer he gives, this is from Saturday. This is the same answer he's been giving Jordan Love on Jordan Love for three years. The whole operation, I think, is, um, you know, from from getting the play call and the command in the huddle and then being able to go out there and, 
effectively execute with a with a proper technique and certainly he's going to get a lot more reps you know throughout the course of the preseason and there's no substitute for for live game reps you you can try to make practice as as hard as possible but it's it's a little different feel out there when you have 11 guys on the opposite side of the ball that are trying to take your head off so um you know it, Again, it's it's a process for him. He he hasn't gotten a ton of reps. Obviously, missing that when we didn't have that first preseason and, and missing those games was uh, I don't want to say stunt his growth, but it, it certainly didn't help. But um, no, he he's got a great approach. Um, you know, Aaron does a great job with him in our meeting room in terms of just giving him nuggets all the time. Nuggets. And and I think you know. Jordan's been through it now for a couple of years, and I think he, he hangs on to those things and, and truly learns from not only his experiences out there, but the other quarterbacks in the room, be it Aaron or Danny. Yeah, he's learning from Danny Etling, and he's getting little nuggets from Rodgers. I say we call them little potato wedges from Rodgers. That's what I would say if I was the floor. He's getting little potato wedges from Rodgers. Love answered the same uh, question. Oh, I mean, I think it's a lot farther along than obviously last year and the year before. Um, I think I'm just, the more I'm able to get reps and see how plays play out versus defense, versus different looks, it just you just get more comfortable with it. Kind of not only expect what's going to happen, but you kind of predict it and uh, kind of know where you're going to go with the ball a little sooner. And then when things happen, you know, they might blitz. You might have to go somewhere that you weren't expecting. Uh, it just happens a little quicker, and I can process it faster. Um, but it's, it's still, I'm still learning, it's still growing. Um, I'm still trying to get better at those. You know, we talk about, like, where guys get drafted and how it impacts their career. Tua Tuagavailoa has been drafted by the Dolphins. He's played about a year and a half. This is a make-or-break year for him. He was in the same draft, 20 picks higher than Jordan Love. Jordan Love's career hasn't even really started. Just kind of crazy to see that in perspective. So that's a little update from Packers training camp, although that is far from the top story in the NFL today. Deshaun Watson, it looks like a six-game suspension. The NFL could decide that it's more. The reaction and the take machine has been in overdrive this morning. We'll catch you up on everything going on with Deshaun Watson. 414-677-1250. I'm Bart Winkler. That's Tim Shea on The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 12.50 a.m. The Fan. I'm Bart Winkler. That is Tim Shea. Love this song, November Rain. Not sure about it as a bumper, but it's a pretty good tune. We're live inside the Lakeland University studios where you can earn co-op credit for work experience at lakeland.edu. Big news this morning, Deshaun Watson was, we, huh? I'm just on a roll with these names today. Well, I was thinking of Carson Wentz. And Wentz and combine the two names. Yeah, because Toby was just in here. So that's why I was thinking about that. I got to get to the bottom of this Juan Soto situation with Toby before the end of the show. Toby Altizer. Remember when he used to work on this show? I do. Yeah. I do. Hey, uh, Tim Shea. Hey, it's Sparky. Hey, uh, happy Memorial Day. Do you want to work this summer for us maybe twice a month? And Tim was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Three three post-game shows a week. That's what the phone call was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here every day. Every day. Uh, Ian Rappaport, this is how they reported at NFL Network not too long ago. At around 8.30 a.m. this morning, Eastern Time, Judge Sue L. Robinson, jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA, issued her ruling to both. Okay, I don't know what happened there, but let's try again. Uh, Take it away. Judge Sue L. Robinson, jointly appointed by the NFL and the NFLPA, issued her ruling to both sides, giving Deshaun Watson a six-game suspension, which would mean if this holds October 23rd against the Baltimore Ravens, would be his first game back. But there is so much more than that. This is a six-game suspension from Judge Sue L. Robinson, but that is not final. As you mentioned, the NFLPA and on behalf of Deshaun Watson said yesterday that regardless of the outcome, they would not challenge this and they would not appeal. We have not yet heard from the NFL on whether or not they will appeal. If the NFL does appeal, it would appeal essentially to Roger Goodell or his designee, and then it would be Goodell or his designee deciding is six games enough for Deshaun Watson after violations of the personal conduct policy. Now, there were some settlement talks over the last several weeks and over the last several days. The NFL initially pushed for an indefinite suspension, a suspension of one year, then with a chance to reapply. Obviously, the NFLPA would not accept anything close to that. They pushed for Far, far less. The two sides were not able to come to terms on any sort of settlement. So they left it to Robinson to decide. And that is where we are now, six-game suspension. And from the money standpoint, of course, we know Deshaun Watson got the $230 million fully guaranteed contract upon his trade from the Texans. It is a very low base salary and a $45 million signing bonus. So based on that, it is just $345,000 that he loses based on the six-game suspension if this holds. All right, so that's from NFL eight- Network earlier this morning, giving you a good sense of the rundown there with all the details, 4 one 4 6 7 7 I'll say that, so what happened was the NFL, basically it used to be Roger Goodell would make the decision, and he would d- do it on a case-by-case basis. And some of the decision-making process, it was all over the map. In the new CBAs, they decided, the NFLPA and the the NFL, that somebody else, a different judge, would decide. But the NFL still has the power to change that. 
So it's a six-game suspension. The NFLPA has said, we accept the Players Association. The NFL has said, nothing yet. They have three days to say something. So we'll find out what that's going to be. I talk about some of these suspensions. I think when you look at the suspensions that have happened in history, um, what do we have here? Ray Rice beat up his fiance. got two games. Adrian Peterson, there was felony child abuse. That was six games. Greg Hardy, he beat up his girlfriend. That was 10 games. Got cut down to four. Ezekiel Elliott hit some women. Six games. Kareem Hunt, there were two violent incidences. Okay, for eight games. Josh Brown had domestic violence. Uh, That was six games. There was a guy named Santrell Henderson that smoked pot to treat his Crohn's disease. He got got suspended for 14 games. Uh, Josh Gordon's had trouble with uh, not smoking marijuana. He's basically been suspended the better half of six years. Calvin Ridley bet $1,500 on games he had no result in. He got a whole year plus. And Tom Brady was maybe aware that a football may have been a little lighter than normal against the Colts in an AFC championship game where they won by 45 points. He got four games for that. So the balance has not been right. The balance has not been right. It's it's like, how do you put it? You can't just say like, anytime you physically abuse someone, that is this many games. Or I guess you can, but then you're looking at, well, it wasn't as bad as that one. I think it's become crazy. It becomes really weird. But gambling, deflating a football, marijuana does not equal physical abuse and sexual favors by intimidation. So the NFL's had this problem where they can't figure out how to balance everything. That's why they went to this independent council. And she had said six games. Now, a lot of people are upset about that. I don't think it's enough games. Packers history tweets. This suspension is embarrassing, predictable, but this is Roger Goodell's chance to finally stand up for what's right. It's not even just the right thing to do. It's the business decision to do. If you don't do anything in the next couple of days, it's a slap in the face to women who represent nearly half of NFL fandom. You'd think that's something he can wrap his head around. We'll see. Andrew Brandt had a couple of uh, interesting tweets because there's some other layers to this too outside of the suspension. First of all, there was a tweet about and a couple of people have been arguing. There's a radio guy in Pittsburgh arguing this, which I may get in a fight with him later. But he says because because Watson sat out last year, that should count towards the suspension. He sat out last year, and that should count. Andrew Brandt, former Packers executive, tweets, the idea that Watson served a de facto suspension in Houston last year is folly. People, he didn't want to play for them, and he was paid not to. That is not a suspension, please. Yeah, he didn't want to play. It was like a holdout without being a holdout. And the fact that there were investigations on him at the time, you know, they didn't want him to play for him either. So you can't you can't punish yourself. 
you can't like do something bad and say, well, actually, uh, officer, I don't ever leave my house. So I've kind of been on house arrest the last three years. So I'm should not go to jail. Oh, you can't, you can't punish yourself. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't go. You, you can't like say I've already did that. Uh, yes, sir. I, I am guilty, but I've, I've spent a long, uh, hard time thought about it. And I was grounded, uh, for two different times as a kid for a total of six months. So, uh, I, I kind of, I, I really already served my crime. Yeah. That I, I do not agree in any way, shape or form that him sitting out a year should count towards the suspension. Nobody told him to do that. That was him and the Texans deciding on that. And he got paid. Uh, Brant also says, Watson used money from the Texans and the Browns to settle lawsuits brought by 24 and counting women he sought out for quote-unquote massage. That's how you use it. And now he'll only suffer $350,000 financial loss on a $230 million contract. There's something icky about all of this. So not only uh, it's bad, but there's like everything around it is not a good look either. So the whole thing is a disaster. 414-677-1250. 414-677-1250. Hey, it's Dave on the Northwest side. What's up, Dave? Well, first of all, good morning. Um, I'm, I'm digging the new phone change. It screwed me up for the last week. Oh. Uh, anyway, um, so I go back to work on, on Monday, and I know you're going to Canton this weekend. So I, the window is closing here for lunch, or are we just going to put it off for another year like we always do? I might have to be put off, Dave. i got to watch the kid the next three days, and then I'm going to Canton. All right. Now, let's talk about something other than that, other than your, your, what you've been just ranting about that I feel is socially relevant, and that happens to be SummerSlam. Oh, yeah. Were you able yeah. to watch it? Yes, I was. Uh, Tony in Texas okay. actually called in a little bit two hours ago, maybe, but he brought it yeah. up. I thought SummerSlam was great. I did, but I was kind of, I just thought, first of all, the Lesnar ending was really predictable. It's the only way he was going to beat him, and obviously he didn't do it by himself. I love the fact that Becky Lynch looks like she's turning face, and if they make Bianca Belair uh, a heel, my my – world is is back in in order i understand you want her to be a Sasha heel Banks. oh god i can't stand her why can't they're going against bailey now yeah i understand that but see she, she reminds me of the female version of uh uh austin theory she really does wow and but but they, they're trying to bring her off as a as a, as a face and i i just don't buy it and that that braid just drives me crazy as far as I'm concerned, she could just cut it off with the skipping and the waving. I mean, she gets oh. the crap kicked out of her every time. Uh, That's the first anti-Bianca the... Belair slander I think I've ever heard. Oh, my God. She gets she gets the crap kicked out of her, and then she comes back to win, and all of a sudden she's got all this energy that she didn't have and couldn't walk on her leg, and now she can skip around in the That's ring. That's been happening in wrestling wait. for 40 years, Dave. I know. Not with Mad Dog Vashon or Baron Von Roschke. Well, Rick, did you watch Rick Flair's 73-year-old ass last night? 
No, I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah. But uh uh yeah, it was I I agree with you. It was it was pretty good. I just I just got to say for those of you who don't realize it when you're watching Miz, you're watching one of the greatest of all times because he can sell anything. The Miz is and, great. Yeah, yeah. And and Logan Paul was really good, but I mean, you're looking at a guy the only guy who has won every title twice, and he always gets the crap kicked out of him, and and he sells it, sells it like a champ. I, I was I was the one person I, I really made me want to puke was Liv Morgan. I mean, yeah, she's cute and and oh man, just the scr- you do not the you're not about the women title holders right now. Oh my God! Unless she turns heel. Man. Because she All lost right, that match, These are and some she takes. had that look on her face like, whoa. See, now this would have been a great promo take, as opposed to the one you promised you were going to do. And, and Yeah, it's on my list. And, I didn't do it yet. Uh, you know what? Do me a favor. Erase it. It's it's It was a crappy one anyway. This is a much better take. So... There you have it. All right. I love I love SummerSlam too, and except for Liv Morgan. Sorry. All I'm right. glad Bailey's back. The finish and the Bianca. All right, yeah. Dave. Hey, thanks, buddy. Oh, one last thing. Did I say Sasha Banks is coming back? Is that official? I heard that she and Naomi are coming back now that Vince is out. Uh, I've heard that they might want to do that as well. I know Toby Altizer is a big. WWE fan. Oh, big time. What did you think about that finish between Liv and Ronda Rousey? Um, how should I feel about it? You should feel, well, nah, I don't think you should feel like how Dave feels, but. Well, you, you tell me, and that's how i feel. Did you see the end yet? No. Of the whole thing? No. Oh, my God. Brock Lesnar. I'm going to show you. You guys will hear the audio, but I got to show. I got to show it to you. It's I amazing. I don't feel like I'm going to care all that much. I, but. No, you'll actually like this. My buddy showed it to me yesterday. I didn't care. And, the, like, just wait. Just wait till you see this. All right, so Brock, Brock Lesnar and Roman, and then we'll get off wrestling, I promise you. Please. Brock, Brock Lesnar and uh, Roman Reigns fought for, like, the 90th time. And it was the last man standing match. And so the match ended with Lesnar getting a tractor and then pushing the ring. Corey, get the hell out of there! Brock Lesnar just moved the entire And Roman's on the ring. <laughs> in Kid Rock's lap right now. God almighty, what the hell is Lesnar doing? Anything he wants. Lesnar's lifted up the ring with Roman Reigns in it. With a damn tractor. Reigns falls out of the entire ring. Reigns is at the top of the ring. He falls out of it. That's amazing. <laughs> that is pretty good. I'll give you that one. That's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty good. Thanks, buddy. How you doing? Not too bad. How about you? Good. Are you on the show anymore, or is it? What is going on? I have no idea. I have no idea. Like, uh, like I said with Peter Bukowski, I said something. He said, "I'm never coming on Bart's show again." I said, "Well, neither am I." Yeah. Well, it's good to see you. But anyway. it's it's not that big a deal because you're going national. I, I did two national shows. <laughs> I told, I, I, I told Toby this. I texted you this the other day. Remember that uh, Lakers guy? I forgot his name. Andre Ingram, I believe. Yeah, was his name. I'm Andre Ingram. Who's Andre Ingram? He was a career G leaguer, and at age 35, the Lakers are like, "Ah, we suck. He can play for five games," <laughs> and he did. And then you never heard from him again. So that's kind of. I feel like I'm getting my like, "Hey, nice, you know, nice job. Uh, do this a little bit, and then uh, 
Here, we'll throw you a bone. Yeah, we'll throw you a bone. <laughs> Zach Gelb's off. It's middle of summer. No one's listening. It's All Friday other night. 15 options said no. So uh, Yeah, everyone else said no. We're running out of options here. So yeah. Bart Winkler, I think he's free. Yeah, Bart Winkler, you're free. Uh, you might as well do it. Yeah, and you work for free. <laughs> yeah, work for free. Actually, we're going to charge him to do this. We'll say, I don't know, it's uh, experience or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's what... It sounded good, though. I listened on Friday. It sounded good. Oh, thank you. Uh, Yeah. One thing that I talked about a lot that night was Juan Soto. Yeah. And I'm still stunned. So my whole take was, you know, the last two times. So I've done Zach Gelb's show twice. Uh, Almost three times, but just twice. (laughs) The first time, it was when Kevin Durant, real close to three, but didn't happen. The first time, Kevin Durant wanted to trade, and I was like, Look, I don't know what you guys think, but I do not think the Nets should trade him. Why? Why would the Nets trade yeah, him? Yeah, you shouldn't. There's four years left on the deal. Even if he holds out, even if he holds out what he won't do, even if he holds out, the value you're still going to get for him is not going to decrease after a year. So don't trade him. Don't don't be don't be rushed to trade him. Don't yeah. trade him until you feel like you're getting good value in return. Just because you have to trade him. Yeah. And I feel like that's the same thing with Juan Soto. Juan yep. Soto not really talked about as a trade target for a while. He was, you know, as the centerpiece of Washington for the next decade, then all of a sudden they offer him this monster deal. He says no, and that means he's on the trade block. So you go to the guy with a deal for 14 years, he says no, and suddenly that means, well, we got to trade him by the deadline. Yep. I don't exactly. understand the rush to it. There's two and a half years on his deal. Yeah, I mean, how much is the haul going to be different if they trade him now? Yes, you get three playoff runs with him if you trade him now, but how much different is it going to be if you only get two full years out of him, especially – if you're just going to trade them to one of these big markets that's going to sign them anyways. Right. And even that, you look at the teams that are in the sweepstakes, I think that, like, there's teams that take themselves out. So if the Brewers are going to trade Hater, or if they're going to trade whoever, they would only trade Hater if it's, like, for Juan Soto. But they're not going to do that in the middle yeah. of the season. And I think so there's teams that are there's teams that are in on them, you know, like the Cardinals or the Padres or maybe not Seattle after their trade, but there's teams that there's teams that are in on them. But I don't think it's as many teams that will be in on him in the offseason. Like, even the team that I brought up was Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. They're not going to trade for Juan Soto right now. Doesn't make any sense to. But in the offseason, when they retake stock of things and try to figure out and say, all right, maybe we build around this guy. We can give him an extension. We've yep. kind of been cheap for a while. Now, suddenly, there's another player in the mix as they build up their farm system. Maybe you can take from that. Ooh. I just don't understand why there seems to be this rush for Washington to get rid of him unless they're going to sell the team and want him gone before that. But I don't even get the whole logic behind that. So I really don't get what your nationals well, are doing. Well, I, I don't either. I don't. But I did see that a guy we had on the big show a while back, Jesse Doherty, writes for the Washington Post. He tweeted out, interesting to hear national reporters starting to hedge on whether there will be a Juan Soto trade by Tuesday from the national side, which is the side I know. My sense has always been that the ask would be extremely high and a deal has never been inevitable. And one of the things that you have to think about, too, if you're going to trade him in the middle of the season and you're the teams that are you know, supposedly in on him are the Cardinals, the Padres, and the Dodgers. Well, none of those teams want to make their team worse to bring in Juan Soto. So they're not going to give up loads of major league talent or loads of prospects that could help them this year because they're trying to win a World Series this season and they have to be prepared to do it even if they bring in Juan Soto. So they can't necessarily you know, sell everything to go get him. Whereas in the offseason, like you said, it could bring in more teams. A team might be willing to overpay a little bit because 
guess what? We can fill that hole that we just created because there's free agency, there's all types of other stuff going on, and you haven't started the season yet, so you can make other moves accordingly. If you do something right now and the trade deadline's tomorrow and you lose a player that is going to be big time for you going down the stretch here, like if you were saying that the Brewers would have been in and they lost Josh Hader, well, I'm not trying to make a lateral move here. I'm trying to make my team better to try and win a World Series. If we're just moving laterally at this point, then I'll wait to the offseason and trade for him. There's two and a half years left on his deal. Yeah, so it's not like, and that's the other thing, what too. What is the rush? I, I'm so glad you brought it up because you guys were talking about Woody when I was driving and I was listening, and you were talking about trading him. And sometimes, for whatever reason, I think this is more so a Milwaukee thing than a big picture thing because you brought up Judge with the Yankees. Sometimes you're better off just holding on to a dude and not getting anything in terms of prospects or players because you get a level of play on the field that you couldn't get from anyone else. That's why you can bring up trading Josh Hader and saying, well, we got to get something for him. What you're getting from him, at least until the last couple of weeks, is the best closer in baseball. What are you getting in return in terms of players? That's awesome. You got the 15th-ranked prospect or you got the you know 20th-ranked prospect. What happens when he doesn't pan out? I'd rather have the best closer in baseball. I'd rather have Brandon Woodruff, who's a solid major league starter, who's a proven all-star caliber starter. Why would I try and move something like that just because, well, I need to get a haul for him? No, you don't. Sometimes the level of play you get, you don't have to go get something else for him. All right, imagine this scenario. Imagine uh, Giannis Adetokounmpo plays next year. Bucks, you know, don't win, whatever. And uh, then he's got three years left on his deal. And at the trade deadline of the 2023-2024 season, we start talking about trading him. Yeah, yeah. He won you a championship, and he's got two and a half years on his deal. One's a player option, so we'll see. So maybe even this year. Maybe you assume he's going to deny the trade. What? What? Yeah, let's let's take the player option out of it. He's got three years left and then a player option. So at the halfway point of this year, the Bucks go to offer him a 10-year deal. He says, well, I mean, let's let's just play this one out for a little bit first. I'm not ready for 10 years. And then the Bucks are like, oh, all right, well, we're going to trade you. That would be the dumbest thing yeah. in the history of the league. Yes. And that is what the Nationals are doing. Only difference is the Bucks are good. The Nationals are the worst team in baseball. That's literally the only difference. But you're exactly right. I don't feel like we you have to trade him. If I were a new ownership group coming in, I would say, what kind of assets do the Nationals have right now? Uh, Soto. Um, nothing else. There is nothing else. So why would I want him traded? How am I going to sell tickets yeah, to someone? How many Nationals can I even name right now? They're starting people this week. Let me pull this up because this is what I... It's Ruiz, embarrassing. Corbin. Cabo Ruiz is nice. Josiah Gray is nice. They're starting, my Twitter won't load because our Wi-Fi is not good. All right, here we go. So this, they're starting. I'm rubbing off on you. <laughs> against the Mets. What, what Shay? Hold on. I, I take forever and you yell at me. He takes forever and you laugh with him. All right, I see how it is. Go ahead. Well, he's This a host, not, has nothing to do with you, Toby. He's in a host this, role right now. This has nothing to do with you, You're Toby. You're a producer. Okay? You're fine. Role. So this is who the Nationals are starting <laughs> against the New York Mets. The New York Mets. Patrick Corbin, Corey Abbott, and Anibal Sanchez. You excited about that? Anibal Sanchez is still playing? Corey Abbott versus Jacob deGrom tomorrow. You watching that? That's must-watch TV. Is that Jim's son? Probably. 
I don't, I, I, like, what is going on in D.C. that makes you think, oh, yeah, let's trade off the only exciting player we have? I don't know. That sucks to root for him. I mean, you got your World Series and you beat us. So. Yeah. I do want to mention before the end of the show, uh, Bill Russell passing away. There was a great tweet. R.I.P. Mr. Russell, true legend. No black superstars ever spoken out more courageously and powerfully about race. 11 titles, five MVPs, a one and only. His wisdom and laugh will be missed. I wish I tweeted that. That was tweeted from Skip Bayless, who all you guys hate. Had a very nice thing to say about Bill Russell. Skip's kind of a mentor to me. Yeah. 11 times. Very similar. Bill, Bill Russell. Uh, RIP at the age of 88. <laughs> Shut the hell up. All right. Toby's next on the big show. We're back tomorrow at 6. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.